Feel the rhythm. The highlight of your week has arrived, Andrew. Yes, it has. Feel the rhyme. I don't know how to say your Instagram handle, so I'm not even going to try. Get on up. It's 11 o'clock on a Saturday. We all know what that means. That you're probably keeping me from watching a Liverpool game? Yep. It's podcast time. Andrew, we are back. We just got done talking with Erica Gennaro and Heather McLeod, our first repeat guests. Very exciting. Yes. Yes. Uh, Just got some more insights into their quest to run the Abbott's World Marathon Majors. They are going to be going for stars number four, five, and six here in the next seven months. That's insane. Uh, And just talked a little bit more about fundraising with them. Got some really good insight into where they're at with fundraising and, and uh, how you can go about fundraising for running. What uh, what big takeaways did you have from our talk with them? Okay, not only is three marathons in seven months a lot to train for, that's a shit ton of money to raise. Yes. Yes. I, I just, I think it's awesome. I, I kind of, I think my favorite part of the interview, you really have to listen through the whole thing, was just the last couple of minutes. I, I, I thought when uh, we we had asked them about... Uh, fundraising for Boston as opposed to qualifying for it through time. I think the right. conversation got very authentic and we got off the, you know, maybe the, the, we didn't have a script, but we got off the kind of canned questions that we had for them. And I, I thought it just became a, a much more real conversation that we were having. And it, it just really interesting to hear them, uh, you know, talk about it and you know just their passion behind it too i just i I really enjoyed it i thought it was you know fun it's fun to have a repeat guest on too because you already kind of have a rapport with them yeah yeah they're they're listeners i I thought that was cool that it was very obvious throughout points that they listen to our podcast regularly that's nice we don't have many but they're loyal (laughs) and they get interviewed yes they do uh, you know, actually, I really like that last part, too. Um, you know, it, it's timely. Uh, it's timely for me because I registered for Boston this morning. And uh, really, the the whole genesis of that question was that I follow a group on Facebook that um, are, are people that are in Boston or trying to get in the Boston. And uh, a number of them, just like me, didn't get in last year. And just because Boston is, you know, it's kind of the mecca of running and the, the marathon is the Boston Marathon is such a, a goal for a lot of people. There were there were just a number of people that were upset about not getting in and were upset in part because the field is limited because they have so many slots uh, open for people to do what Heather and Erica do fundraise to get in. And I'm not one of those people. You know, I knew that getting into Boston's a moving target, that there's no guarantee that you get in just because you make the qualifying time. And so I was fine with it. But as we talk about it in the interview, there were a lot of people upset. I just thought they had a really great insight. And it talked a little bit about you know, what you and I have touched on in previous podcasts, that we love running for a lot of reasons. And one of the reasons we love running is for the community. And they they really get a sense of community out of the fundraising that they do. Mm-hmm. And it really came out in their answer to that question. Yeah, absolutely. We can't spoil too much, but Hey, did you know this no, week? No. I am going to lace up tomorrow for the first time in okay. 10 or 11 weeks. And I'm going to head out for three or four miles. That's exciting stuff. 
Are you looking forward to it? Body's feeling good. So, oh my god, I'm, I'm so ready for it. I I have not minded the time off. It's been really good for me mentally, but I'm really itching to get back to it. And and I think you know registering for the race today really kind of brought home just how much I want to get back to it. Uh, you had a big run this weekend. You got your first. Uh, you got your first uh, 20 mile run in quite some time. Yeah, my first 20 miles since uh, I ran Cleveland back in 2017. Yeah, big deal. That was uh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I, I I did something I've never done before. Usually I'll go out to the towpath for those long runs, or I have kind of a planned route. I didn't do that okay. this time. I I have I told somebody today at work that I forest gumped it. <laughs> I just started running <laughs> and it was it was the most fun I think I've ever had running because like the whole time I'm like well where am I going to go from here like I was seriously just right. exploring where I live and went out and ran 20 miles around my city and it was fun I actually ran to the towpath usually I drive to it Okay. And it's not as far as I thought it was. It's only like seven miles. Driving things seems so much further. I was shocked. Uh, but yeah, it was it was fun to just like go out and just go. I love GPS watches for that reason because you don't have to necessarily plan something out. You can just go right. out and say, eh, you know, I'm gonna run this far. And like when you run around the same areas too you start to get a sense of how far away from home you are. So I know that if I run, I know if I run five miles west, I kind of know where that's going to take me. And then right. I can, depending on how long my run is, just decide how much further I'm going to go. Um, so yeah, I completely understand what you're talking about there. I, I love those sort of runs where it's just, I don't know where I'm going to go today. I do that for a lot of my uh, shorter recovery runs in my five, six milers. I'll just kind of head out the door and go, eh, I'm not really sure which way I'm going to yeah. go today. and Just, you know, wing it from there. The best part of the run yesterday and the part that made me feel just like really jacked was I was, I was getting kind of close to home and I have an uncanny knack for, I mean, there's so many different routes I run around my house and I was kind of running towards some of them. So I knew almost exactly how far away I was from home. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to stop at my house. It's going to be about mile 16. And I'm going to grab my GoPro so I can go take my silly running photo. And I'm going to go finish the run off. And there was part of me that was like, this is a stupid idea. Because as soon as you see <laughs> your house at mile 16, you're going to be like, hell no, I'm not going back out there. I literally came in. Dropped my handheld water bottle off, picked up my GoPro, and headed right out the door. And didn't think twice about whether or not I should have gone out and finished those four miles. Like, nice. I, I mean, I just got right back on the road and got going again. And that just, to me, that was such a good sign because, you know, I don't have maybe the base that I want to have. But I, it didn't matter. Mile 16 of a 20-miler and three of the last four weeks have run 16 or more miles. Like, that's that's a big deal to just be able to go, nope, I'm going to go finish this. And the only thing that could have stopped me would have been how hungry I was, but I was able to fight through <laughs> that. So I'm, I'm still getting used to that. I probably ate like 12 packs of peanut butter crackers at work today. Cause I didn't have any other <laughs> snacks. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting um, how hungry you, you are like, especially oh, the days right just, after. It's never ending. 
So, so we're going to wrap this up because it is we're recording this on a Monday night. It is the first Browns Monday night football game since 2015. I do have a funny story, though, about their last Monday night football game. I was at it. It was 2015. You, it, it was deep enough in the year that everybody knew that the Johnny Manziel era was about to come to a glorious, just explosive conclusion that the coaching staff and the GM were going to be fine like we always do. And so tickets to a Monday night football game were ridiculously cheap. And so a uh, buddy of mine, a few of us, we said, you know what, for like 10 bucks, you know, how can you, how can you not go to a Browns Monday night football game in the cold and watch it? And so we did. And I think we had to go to our third quarterback option that night. And uh, the game was going to go to overtime, but we lined up for a field goal. And, and we were in the upper deck, and we were in line, immediately in line with the line of scrimmage for the field goal. And it was a long And I go, oh, there's no way this, our kicker's going to hit this. It's going to get blocked and returned for a touchdown. And sure enough, it's exactly what had happened. And Andrew, I'm not going to lie. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my life. It was just one of those, like, it was just a purely Browns moment where he just looked at everybody and went, <laughs> like, what else could go wrong? What right. else can the football gods take for us? So um, it's going to go much better tonight. It's going to be a very enjoyable Browns game, much better than last one. But I thought that's that story came to mind as I was thinking about tonight. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy it. We I, I hope I hope we don't have to like re-record this segment. No, I'll, I'll edit it out. There'll be no re-recording. I am sticking by my my belief <laughs> okay. in the team tonight. Okay, I'm not editing it out. Um, nope. If we don't ever record again, you know what happened tonight. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, but if this is our, it's not ever going to be our last episode. We're doing this for the rest of our lives. We do hope that you enjoyed this with. Uh, and this interview with Erica Gennaro and Heather McLeod. And we are here with Erica Gennaro and Heather McLeod. Thank you guys so much for coming back with us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't scare you off. <laughs> it's happened. So uh, catch us up a little bit. You guys are on a quest to complete the World Marathon Majors. You're doing it through fundraising. Yeah. Kind of uh, get, get us up to date from uh, where we were when we talked to you back in what, like March or April? Yeah, since then, um, and I forget where we left off exactly, we applied for Chicago. We were already in Chicago. Okay. So I think we talked at the beginning of May. Um, so we applied for Tokyo in July, and actually London was after shortly after that conversation. Yeah, we, we found out we got into the London Marathon in April or May, yeah, May. early May. Yeah. yeah, early May. And um, we got in via the charity entry process. And so Heather and I, we are fundraising for the same charity called Pause Chicago, and Pause is the only animal rescue, um, so I've read at least, in the London Marathon. And they, Pause gets seven bibs every year, and we took two of them. Nice. 
Eric, you said leading up to coming out with us, you had said that the process for registering for Tokyo was insane. What made it so crazy for you guys? Well, first of all, you have to do it 9 a.m. Tokyo time. So that's 9 p.m. here. So Eric oh. and I are um, kind of on the phone together, like trying to do it together. I also work with um, people in Australia. So I, I had meetings that night as well. Um, oh. So I'm bouncing back and forth between meetings and talking with Erica, trying to um, use their website that was completely overloaded. And I think it took a little over an hour and a half to really actually get registered. It's just like a bunch of 400 errors. <laughs> Ah. Yeah. So um, the, the way the process works like in greater detail is that you can either, um, if you want to be a charity runner, you can either like fundraise in a traditional sense by collecting money from friends and family and different events, or you can do what they call non-crowdfunding. Yep. And that's what the route that we choose chose to take. And so basically what we did is... Um, we made a personal donation to the charity of our choice. And so what that process entailed was creating a profile on the Tokyo Marathon website. And that's where we were getting all the errors. And then once you set up the profile, then you're supposed to make the payment for the charity donation. And so we did that. And again, we were getting many errors for probably 20 minutes or so. Sounds and like then, me logging into one of our uh, episodes to record. <laughs> <laughs> Not too far off. <laughs> and so we, we both made the donation and then we were getting more error messages when it came time to paying for the entry fee um, because it's two separate payments. And so at a certain point, um, if you're very late in the process, I think they, let's call it like 3,000 spots were available to now non-crowdfunding runners. Um, the last few may, if my understanding is correct, the last few may make a charity donation but not pay the entry fee in time. Um, and so you've made a donation but you will not get your entry. But also with all the payment processing errors that we were receiving. <laughs> um, like some people on a Facebook group that I follow had donations that were made like 10 times. So um, that was a little startling for some. Um, and some people, it took them like close to two months to find out if they actually got an entry or not. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the Tokyo Marathon website actually shut down prematurely because they quickly realized that they were so overloaded that and that so many errors were happening that they had to do something to try to rectify it sooner rather than later. Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, so Heather and I it was like at this point probably 10 or 11 p.m. and we were calling each other. We we're like, I think I'm in. I think I'm in. Are you in? I think I'm in. Are we in? We might be in. I don't know. Well, you, you did suspense and like, we, we gotta, we gotta end the suspense here. You did ultimately get into Tokyo. We did get in. We are both running Tokyo and yes, we're, we're in, that'll be our fifth star. And then we'll finish in London. 
And thanks to Scott's cheap flights, we got flights round trip for $570. Yeah. Wow. The stars a shout out to them. Nice little plug. Wait, <laughs> wait, where, who did you get these flights through? <laughs> Scott. It's a, it's a website. You pay a subscription, uh, $40 per year, and he emails you uh, cheap flights. And uh, so that's how we found our flights. It was a Sunday morning. I got the email, and I immediately texted Erica and said, we need to buy these tickets right now because it's not going to get cheaper than this. Yeah, so the stars like, have been aligning. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for that information. I'm very glad that I have that. <laughs> so now you guys have a much shorter flight, maybe even a road trip coming up here soon, correct? To Chicago? We sure do. It's pretty exciting. How's training been going? Well, um, <gasps> So this is the first time that I have hired a coach for any marathon. So he's been kicking my butt on a regular basis. Um, and this is probably the highest volume that I've ever done. So hopefully all this summer heat will bring a nice fall PR. My training has not been as great. Uh, I have plantar fasciitis, which is a huge pain in the butt. I had it last year as well, but um, I'm kind of stumbling through it and um hopefully hopefully it'll be okay i think i'll finish it but it won't be a pr for sure well that's exciting good luck to you guys you yeah. guys got in through the lottery on this in this correct um i did so this is erica and i got in through the lottery um this whole like world majors process the lottery gods have been on my side um, <laughs> i got into three of them my first my first go of it on the lottery entries so i feel very lucky and i have not been as lucky but i have company matchings uh gift matching so that really helps with these um with fundraising for these smaller um i only had to do 1250 for chicago and i'm fundraising for back on my feet again which is the same charity i fundraised for uh new york that's awesome um, do you guys think with like, with some of the, like you, you did a lottery for Chicago, you guys had to go through obviously a horrible <laughs> registration experience for Tokyo. Uh, and then you guys had let us in a little bit, to the application process for London. Do you find it difficult to plan like your training calendar and your racing calendar with some of the uncertainty that has come with the, just the unknowns of registration? Um, not really. They're usually pretty far in advance. I mean, um, Tokyo is in March and we had to apply in July. Um, so it's pretty, pretty doable to, to plan out travel and, and training. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, in most cases, you're finding out at least, at least six months, usually like nine or yeah. 12 months in advance. So we always have like plan B's if we don't get in or, you know, we just did our research to find ways to make it work. Yeah, so. London was uh, 11 months before the race, so yeah. that was oh, wow. time. So similar to, you know, kind of what Adam's going through right now with Boston, you know, you got plenty of time if you don't get in. You, there's plenty of other options around there. 
Yeah, and the nice thing with London too, I mean, there are still charity spots available through other charities. Um, you'll obviously have a lot shorter notice on running the race, but it's definitely still doable. Um, and I think there's probably like some sort of scaling for it too. So because we found out so far in advance, our fundraising minimum is a lot higher, but it seemed at the time, given we had 11 months, it seemed much more manageable than people who are just finding out in like September, October who have minimums to meet. What is your total for the London Marathon that you have to raise? We both committed to a minimum of 8,500. And so, uh, how does how does your progress look for that so far? Heather's kicking butt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're both doing really well. Heather Heather is close. Yeah, I'm at like five thousand six hundred, I think. And I just hit the forty five hundred mark. Okay. You got you got plenty. Now what uh, like where? where rounds you have to have everything raised before race time how many like what's the what's the lag time there that's by beginning of april so this one you have to uh finish before the race uh i think most of the other uh ones are you have a couple weeks after the race i know for boston i had i think a month after the race to you know tie up loose ends with donations yeah so with with uh, the charity that we're fundraising for, we had to hit the halfway point by November 1st, which we have both done, so that pressure is lifted. Um, and then we just have to raise the second half, November until April 1st. So with some of that, like, so you were just talking about the pressure being lifted off uh, by hitting that halfway mark. Do you find it difficult to like train and run while you're trying to hit these goals and these markers? Like, is there any anxiety in that? Like we, we kind of talked about anxiety and running, uh, last week, um, or a couple weeks ago. Sorry. Adam just texted me and I looked down at it and got distracted. My bad. <laughs> um, so, but you know, so anxiety and running is very real. Does it, does the anxiety of like, oh my gosh, we got to hit this and you're relying on the generosity of other people, does that mess with you at all in your training? Um, I, by the way, I really liked that episode. I listened to that and it, I really uh, I know I liked it enjoyed it, especially well, since you. I'm going through some training issues with my foot. But um, so it really, it really spoke to me. But so, yeah, no anxiety here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would kind of agree with what Heather just said. Um, at this point, we're trying to cram so many marathons in in such a short time that staying healthy seems to be a bigger pressure than hitting fundraising minimums. Um, and it's easy to like compartmentalize the two. You know, like fundraising is one thing, running is another. And so I, I wouldn't say that it necessarily affects training in any way um but then again ask me in March <laughs> <laughs> now right along uh, right along those lines you just talked about how you've got you're trying to cram all these marathons in you're going to finish this now next April correct yep what what comes next after that the majors are a pretty big goal like what comes after that retirement 
<laughs> we were actually talking about this earlier because, um, yeah, that's a really good question. We've, this has been a goal for a while. I mean, I think both of us are saying now that we probably want to focus on shorter distances, like half marathons. But I know that after we finish London, I'm still going to have that bug to sign up for another race. So um, I have a couple in mind that look pretty interesting. Um, I'd probably like to do something uh, more local, like the what's the the one that you did before? And oh, Bay State. Bay State. That's supposed to be a nice local one. And then for traveling, there's one that I have my eye on. That's in Norway. It's called the Tromso Midnight Sun Marathon. That just looks amazing. Oh, so. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. So if like I were to do another destination race, that's one that's on my radar. Well, yeah, um, you just get that dude who emails you ridiculous fares <laughs> and you can just do all of it. Yeah. <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Um, for me, I'd love to do the Jack and Jill downhill outside Seattle. Um, it's supposed to be a really nice course on a very gradual decline. Um, and also, I have the bug to run the Athens Marathon. Um, I have a Greek friend who I ran Boston with one year and so did Heather. And I remember something that he said a couple years ago. And he said, you know, like, why, why are you two trying to run the world majors? You should be focusing on trying to run the marathon. And since then I was like, you know what, you're right. Like, let, let's run Athens, that sounds awesome. <laughs> but I think there definitely will be a void. Like we've been working on this since 2017. Yeah. yeah, 2017. So um, finishing in 2020, you know, it's it's going to be bittersweet. Oh, but they are adding three more. <laughs> they are adding three more world majors in the coming years. I think rumor has it two are going to be in China and Singapore is on the list too, right? Yeah, Sing Singapore is probably coming next in Rumor has it 2021, so that'll be another midnight marathon given the the heat there. So we, I think part of the like impetus for us rushing on finishing so much and doing both London and Tokyo so close together is that, you know, we realized that Singapore, running, running a marathon in Singapore would present would new suck. challenges. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, it's that much more of a financial commitment. I think it's it's interesting to me because I remember Erica, you you texted me or messaged me about Singapore joining that. Um, it was a few months back that you pointed it out to me. And when I think about the majors now, like they all seem like big destinations. Like a lot of people want to travel to New York or Berlin or London, you know, Boston, obviously. And Singapore just seems like an interesting locale to me. Like. I can think of so many other places that I would think would be like more like travel destinations in my mind. So Singapore is interesting. China, China, I think makes sense just with as, as much as the country's growing. That's um, that'll be interesting. And I wonder what I'm wondering kind of what the majors are going to do then when you, they've always been talking about six stars and now you're going to be talking about upping it to possibly nine. Like what that are you going to are they going to be asking people to come back and finish up the last three after they've gotten the six? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I follow a really awesome World Majors Facebook group, by the way. Um, okay. And so if you ever want to nerd out and learn all things World Majors related, um, 
it is actually run or it was started by a gentleman in Akron and he is the one um, he is just filled with all sorts of fun facts for the world majors and his name is Robert Wang I believe and he is really great and so um, I would encourage you to poke around his website to okay. learn more about it but it's called the world majors challenge so that's that's the name of the page all right um, just kind of a last question I guess about fundraising um, when I didn't get into Boston last year there's a training group that I follow on one of a lot of people that didn't get in and it you know the race is well known for being very difficult to get into for having the qualifying standards and if, when you sign up you know that there's a cutoff time this has been established but there were people that were upset that they didn't get in naturally and one of the reasons they were upset was that there is a sizable chunk of the field that is given to people who do what you guys do that that get their entry through fundraising and just wondered if you know what you think about that the fact that people get upset over the fact that you know some, some spots are given to fundraisers and just if you have a comment on that how dare people raise money <laughs> and, and that's my take like i i knew going into it that getting the time doesn't necessarily mean entry for me it was what it was i i knew that i expected it but I guess I was kind of surprised that there were as many people as I saw in the moment that were it. And I just wondered what you guys thought. Yeah, I think when you work so hard to hit a goal, it, it definitely is heartbreaking when you don't get in. Um, and I, I understand that, like, it sucks. It really sucks. Um, but what the charity runners do is so incredible. Last year was a record-breaking year for them in terms of charity donations received. Um, it was something close to $39 million with, with the charity spots. And Heather and I were talking a little bit about this earlier. Um, I think there's a couple different things they can do. Or like the, the one way that Boston is unique is that all the other world majors do have lottery spots. Boston doesn't have that. So that's maybe one way that they compensate at least a little bit, um, accepting, you know, potentially more qualifiers rather than lottery spots that aren't qualifying or fundraising. So I think that's something to consider. But also, um, you know, just having them I don't know like maybe one way they could do it is adding an additional step to those who are qualifying rather than making the qualifying time harder and harder and less obtainable for a lot of people potentially having like qualifiers fundraise in addition to qualifying i don't i'm not sure like what the right lower minimum or something yeah i'm not sure okay. what the right answer is here but it's hard. Yeah. I mean, if I were in your shoes, I would be heartbroken as well. Um, but, you know, when, when we're training throughout the winter on the course and you see all the charity groups out there, you really get this awesome sense of community and the importance of the charity fundraising to the Boston Marathon. So I think it's just really 
core to the um, the Boston Marathon to be a part of it. Um, so I'm I'm not sure if the answer is to cut back on that because uh, if anything, seeing the number grow of the amount of donations is really amazing and really impactful. And I think it's really and, and great. It's like, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Erica. Um. I think it's really great too. And even those who can qualify, I would encourage you to, even though you've qualified, you could still fundraise for charities. Um, And I think it would be really eye-opening for those who do qualify to see the other side of the spectrum and be introduced to that part of the running community because, you know, I've, I've seen people who qualify and I've seen the pressure that they put on themselves. And then I see the people who do fundraise and I see where their heart is at. It's running, it's charity, it's, you know, they, they're they a little bit maybe lighter spirited. Um, and I think there's something to be said for that, you know, just keeping the spark in running and, and staying joyful with it. Keeps it a little more pure and like community driven as opposed to just me and myself and my fast results. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well put. Oh, thanks. And I was just going to say like, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I think is great about Boston is you have this race that is it's in demand and it shouldn't be open to just simply people that can run really fast. Andrew and I've had this conversation about, you know, Andrew's a little bit slower than me, but like within that area where he could potentially get to Boston, but it would take a lot of work. And we were, Andrew, you and I were just talking about this, I think maybe last week, where you don't I think necessarily it was off feel air. like it might have been. I can't remember. We've had so many conversations now. I can't remember <laughs> where they've all fit into, but I think the way you put it was essentially like you don't feel like you needed as a runner to get there. Am I phrasing that right? I think it's just I don't know that it's something I want to put the work in for right now. Right. Like, That's and yeah. And, but at the same time, it's still a race that should be open to people that want to try to get there if there's another avenue for them to get there. Right. Because not everybody is blessed with, you know, super fast running speed. And so really great altruistic way to do it so i just i was curious about your take on that because you guys you get in a different way and it's a way that we obviously have tremendous respect i was just thinking about just some of the again it was an emotional time for people i get why they were upset but i i remember being kind of struck by how many people were i guess upset by it yeah yeah um just touching on that again, the World Majors um, Facebook page that I mentioned dives really deep into that. And I feel like almost every other month, someone is bringing it up in some way or another, but especially right now because of the Boston Marathon, um, you know, entry right now for qualifiers. Um, it's been a hot topic. So definitely look into that. Absolutely. Well, one thing that I want all of our listeners to look into is helping you guys raise money. So I want you each to like tell us where we can go, like how can we find where to maybe help you guys uh, get to your goals. Yeah, and you guys have to work for this too. I think one thing as we were kind of talking about that, it was just kind of dawning on me as I'm going to go off on a quick tangent, is like, 
Boston, you earn your entry no matter what. There's no lottery. There's no luck involved. Right. You either have to run your ass off or you have to fundraise like crazy. And neither one are very comfortable. That's a really good way of putting it. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. So, so, but where can we go to help you guys out? What, what can uh, Adam and I and our, um, and our listeners, what can we do to help you guys hit your goals? Sure. Um, I mean, I don't know the best way of sharing the, the link to our, our fundraiser. Um, but I'll share it again on our, on our social media. Yeah. And I, w- I would think too, if, um, if you don't have the link, you could just Google Team Pause Chicago and our names and it should quickly pop up. Perfect. Yeah, so all the money will go to um, Pause Chicago, really great. Uh, no kill shelter in Chicago that they do some amazing work for um, finding homes for rescues. They also do a lot of work in um, like natural disasters. They were down in Florida after Hurricane Dorian, and they were also helping out in the Midwest with um, the tornadoes earlier a couple months ago as well. So they go and you know take in dogs that have been um, you know unfortunately can't be looked after anymore and help them find homes. So. Uh, they do really amazing work. I definitely recommend wa- following their Instagram as well because you're going to end up adopting a dog. They're just so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for all the Ohio listeners, Chicago is not that far away. It's just a, a quick car ride. So Don't tell my wife that. Fortunately, she doesn't <laughs> listen to this podcast. I mean, it, it's really bad. I've been tempted to like hop in the car and go to Chicago a couple times. And, and they, they rescue dogs and cats. Well, that's amazing stuff. Well, you guys are halfway there, um, and uh, you guys have been with us twice, so we're very happy. But we're going to have to have you on again um, and talk about, especially after you guys get that sixth star. We're going to have to that, – that's going to be very exciting. We'll have to reminisce with you. <laughs> We'd love to. Adam, you got anything else? No. Thank you guys for coming on and sharing more about the the fundraising journey with us. It's really it's it's a different perspective that I know Andrew and I don't have a lot of insight to. So this is great. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Oh, and your Instagram handles, Heather. You're gonna have to spell yours out. <laughs> Heather. Heather. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we went through this last time, and it was too much fun to not bring it up again. <laughs> Yeah, three A's, three T's, and three R's. And I didn't have to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Erica is simply girl and her palm for her Pomeranian, which Thomas couldn't pronounce last time when you guys were on. I'm so. a crazy dog lady, which is why you <laughs> pick paws. Hey, that's perfect. So uh, I'm going to ask you one more question. What are the different types? How many different options the charities are there? You know, I don't know that we really ever hit that because you're doing dogs because you're a dog person. Like, are there tons of different options? There's so many. I don't even, I don't think I could begin to know how many different types of charities there are. That's awesome. So you can find something that you're passionate about to raise money for. So it's all a no brainer. Mm hmm. Okay. Maybe I'll get to Boston after all, and I won't have to train really hard. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, with with London, I feel like it was just a stroke of luck. The um, the lottery process had just ended, and we were not optimistic that either of us would get in. And so we just started Googling charities and I saw a pause and I was like, you know, I, th this has to happen. Just, I want to try to pick a charity that's more in line with my future career goals. Um, I'm going to school to become a professional dog trainer. And so at the time it just seemed like the stars aligned, you know, I could go to school doing something I love while fundraising for something I love. That's good stuff. I thought my internet went out again for a second. No, no, so, sorry. So before it does again, um, thanks again. And we're we're gonna bid you adieu as we get ready to watch Brown's Monday night football. Yeah. Heather doesn't care. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but Erica and Heather, thank you guys so much. Uh best of luck, stay healthy, and to all our listeners, enjoy your miles, everybody. Thanks. And Adam, come see us when you're running Boston. There. Oh, I will. Happening. I will. Seven, <laughs> seven months from now. Thank you.